Well, hello, church family. This is Esther chapter 6, part 3. Esther chapter 6, part 3. If you recall, uh, this last week, um, we were supposed to talk about pride and how it affects us. And I'm going to change it up a bit. I, I, mean, I told you my outline earlier in the week, but as I meditated and thought about it, I'm going to change it a little bit midway, which is something you won't, you should never do in a sermon. But since it's a daily devotional, I can edit as I go. So, but we're going to keep everything intact. It's just changed slightly. Uh, so we're going to talk about how self, when we have self-evaluation, we need to understand that pride is self-delusional, self-praise. And today we're going to talk about self-loathing and self-pity, uh, which is similar to what I originally had. Originally it was going to be self-humiliation, self-loathing, but as I just kept thinking about the verses, I decided just to lump them into one big category uh, called self-pity, self-loathing. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we, um, if you recall in, the, in Esther chapter 6, this is where Haman gets humbled uh, in his own pride. He thought that, he, that King Ahasuerus was going to elevate him because the king found this story of Mordecai saving him, and he wanted advice from Haman. He asked him, who, how should we honor such a man? And Haman gives all these uh, accolades and um, basically rewards that he wanted, uh, but he didn't get it. In fact, he got to nemesis Mordecai. Um, and then uh, he was supposed to go around parading uh, uh, the city and really basically declaring the goodness of Mordecai to the city, even though they were supposed to, a year from now, exterminate all the Jews. And we see this self-pity from beginning from verse 10 to 13. Uh, uh, then the king said to him, and take quickly the robes and the horse as you have said, and go do so for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not fall short in anything of all that you have said. So he took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to this man whom the king desires to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried home, mourning with his head covered. Um, Haman recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wife, then his wise men, and Zeresh, his wife, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin, you will have not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. So again, this is the part where Mordecai gets humiliated, he gets humbled, and uh, Haman, no, sorry, not Mordecai, Haman gets humiliated and humbled, uh, and he no longer feels as great as he's had uh, the day, the night before. Uh, rather, he becomes the, uh, before, the night before, he had this uh, manifest, a huge ego trip. He, he thought really highly of himself, and now this is going to swing to the other extreme, where he becomes uh, self-pity. Haman begins to uh, complain about his, his, his loss. Uh, and you'll notice in verse 13, it says, Haman recounted. And this is actually the same idea as uh, earlier in chapter 5, verse 11, where he recounts all of his riches and all of his children and all of his positions and everything else. Um, just a day ago, he talked about how great he is, and now he's talked about how great his pain is. Um, self-loathing or self-pity is still a form of pride. I remember uh, one time when uh, when I was in college, we went as a college Bible study to this conference together, and uh, there was a conflict. It was like a fight going on in one of the college rooms that were that we were uh, renting, and uh, apparently some of the students and the senior students regarded this argument about how hard their life is. 
there was one seminary student talk about how, oh, they never got a date. Another one was like, oh, I never had, had a girlfriend. Another one was like, well, I never had a parent, you know, so they just kept one upping one another about things that they don't have and how hard their life is. And they got into this huge fight with one another to the point where I don't even know if I'm sure they've reconciled, but it was just weird hearing that, like, you spent the whole night instead of talking about the messages that you heard, you talk about how big your problems were and who suffered more. Um, and you can see that that's actually not, this. it's actually a form of pride. Uh, low self-esteem is actually just a mask to get people to praise you. And when we think about low self-esteem, we assume that people have low self-esteem because uh, they have this low view of self. But in actuality, they actually have an extremely high view of themselves. Uh, they need praise in order to thrive, or, or in some cases, people's praise are not good enough uh, to get them to, to get out of their, their funk. Um, these people who claim their low self-esteem are actually secretly very prideful. Um, self-pity makes you and your problem everyone else's problem. Um, and you can see how self-pity impacts the way that you uh, do gospel ministry. How can you have the heart to share the gospel with other people when you want other people to focus on your sufferings and your problems? Uh, you won't be thinking about sharing about Christ's suffering on the cross for us. Um, you'll, your problems will be uh, bigger than the ministry. You know, whenever you think about uh, people that have all these self-pity in the ministry, people don't get things done because people don't get their way. And, um, you know, it really it comes down to your ego versus the salvation of the lost or your ego versus the salvation of others. So really the, rem- the remedy of self-pity is to stop thinking about what you don't have in your life. Rather, you start thinking about what God has given you in Christ. Our riches, our inheritance in Christ should make us joyful people. Uh, we should not always talk, we shouldn't be people that talk about what we don't have and pity, have these pity parties. No, we have Christ. He's lavish us the riches, um, uh, beyond comprehension. This is inheritance that we have in the Lord. Self-loathing, self-pity makes it seem as though your problem is the greatest problem that man needs to solve. And if you think about, there, there, no one, uh, no, when people that are like always self-pity, they think that their problem is so unique that no one has suffered like they have suffered. And even the Bible speaks against that. You know, the Bible speaks against the, the uniqueness of your suffering. It's actually not that unique at all. First Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. I mean, you can argue that the only types of people that maybe have experienced unique sufferings are people back in Genesis, right? No one else would understand what Adam and Eve went through. But from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, pretty much every sin is already done under the sun, or every type of suffering, every type of uh, pain has been done under the sun. So your own suffering, although it is real and it is um, and it's, you know, painful, it's not unique and uh, it's not unique in that God cannot deliver you out of it. And the only one that can really objectively say that they've suffered uniquely is our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can say that he lived a perfect life and yet suffered a sinner's death. He's the only one that can say to suffer alone um, in the way that he suffered. You know, no one else suffers the way that Christ suffered. But yet even when Christ was suffering, his mindset was on the glory of God. He didn't talk about, 
oh, why didn't my friends, why did my friends leave me? Why did, uh, why does my life have to be so hard? Why can't someone else do this? No, he humbly, uh, put himself under the will of the Father and died on the cross for, on our behalf. This is a, this means that God can rescue you as well. And he can even use your problems for his glory. And self-pity ultimately doubts God's word of hope. Um, you know, the difference between pride and self-loathing is, is, is very, is, it's just the way that you express it. But they're really at, at the heart of it the same. Uh, when I was in college, I remember in one of my English classes, there was a philosophical debate in the class about success uh, just of success. And even at this, my professor, he was like an atheist. He said that, look, he doesn't believe in God, but he, even he acknowledges that every man and woman that's successful in life did not do it on their own. There was some sort of stroke of luck. There was always someone else that helped them. There were some connections that made someone had to die. Someone had to be alive in the right time. Everything had to be in place perfectly in order for people to be success. Even an atheist acknowledges that a person cannot do it on their own. Yet pride gives the impression that you are, that all that you have and all that you are, you got it without the Lord. And Christians can do that. Christians can sometimes think that all that they have is their own effort instead of attributing to the faithfulness of the Lord. Self-pity does the opposite. It gives the impression that your problem cannot be solved by anyone, including God. Now, as a Christian, is this the impression that you want to give to other people around you? That there is no hope in your life? That when you're sad and dreary, that the, the words of God does not give you any hope. Because that affects the way in your effectiveness in ministry. Ever wonder why people aren't interested in Christianity when you're a downer? It's because you're not a joyful person. And, the, and as Christians, this is not the way of Christians. Like, this is not the way that Christ expects us. We're supposed to live joyful lives because of the promises that we have in, in, in Christ. Again, we can do this as Christians. We suddenly lie to others about our self-worth to fish for compliments because we thrive off of it. So the question I think came to my mind when I was thinking about this self-pity thing is, what about prayer requests? You know, sometimes when prayer requests, we're talking about what's, what's going on in our lives and things that are hard. I think the difference between a prayer request versus a pity party is this. A genuine prayer request, when you're talking about your suffering, it has this focus on on who God is, and it has this focus and trust on the goodness of God in the lights of your in the light of your trial. Or to think self pity is just focused on your suffering and it's devoid of any hope in your trial. You just always talk about how bad things are, but there's no hope. Um, so there's a the difference between pride and uh and prayer requests is that a prayer request that focus uh, always has a reason to hope. We always have a reason to hope. Whereas I think self pity always has a reason to doubt the word and the goodness of God. If you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is, she's the the lady that was paralyzed at a young age, and it was like a horse riding accident or something. She got hurt, and she's been, she's a quadriplegic, quadriplegic and she's been paralyzed for most of her life. And uh, one of the unique things about her when she talks about her trials is that she doesn't make, I mean, it's obviously she's paralyzed, but she doesn't make that the main focus. She makes the focus on the promise of the Lord that she is a, she will be able to walk again. She will be able to move her body again because of the promises that's in Scripture. And that's a hope that she gives people. Um, I visited her office uh, place in L.A. once with a friend, and there's a mural 
um, uh, in, the, in the building where you see all of these disabled children or formerly disabled children sitting in, the, in this long table with their savior. This will be a picture of the hope that every kid, everyone, every adult that believes in Christ, that's the hope that they have, that their disability is only a temporal affliction in this life, and they can even use their afflictions to point to the hope and joy that is beyond this life. That's how you use your suffering for the glory of God. People that are self-pitying always talk about what they don't have, what they wish they have, are always focusing on the things of this world. And they covet and they lust after things of this world, and they don't have it, they complain, and they forget that they, they what they have most is they have Christ. If you uh, are self, you know, showing all the self-pity, understand that at some point the Lord will truly humble you, because he'll expose you for the prideful fraud that you are. So before that time comes, you need to repent of your self-pity. Speak, uh, know, and believe in the hope uh, and promises of God. Tell others of the goodness of God instead. And I think this is a appropriate application for us because after this COVID-19 thing, there's going to be a lot of us, I sense, are going to talk about how they've survived some sort of great holocaust through this uh, disease. They're going to look back and say, oh, how my life was traumatized because of this and how things got uh, was would have been better if they didn't have this. That's a form of self-pity. You need to be thankful for whatever the Lord has placed in your life so that you can glorify, you can be thankful that he's uh, placed you through this trial so that you can learn to trust him more, to, to pray more, to meditate more, to be more like Christ. That's how you can use your trials uh, to glorify him instead of focusing yourself and, and focusing on making yourself, you know, making life about a whole, make your whole life a pity party. Um, again, that's pride, and the Lord will will humble you one day. Um, so before that time comes, I exhort all of us to evaluate our heart and repent of our self-pity. Okay, that's uh, that's it for that's enough for today. Uh, hope that this is helpful to you, and I will uh, talk to you guys tomorrow.